Dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Instagram at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, we are riding in to another episode, riding into part two of uh, Best Disney Horsey. Yeah. Last episode, we had some great conversations about what we do like out of a Disney horse, what we don't like out of Disney horse. And here's the here's the part of the bracket in which we're like, okay, is a best horse <laughs> is a best Disney horse. Most realistic, most horse. realistic horse. What, what are we talking about here? I don't know. And we're going to figure it out as we go. And here to join that journey is returning guest host Mandy. Mandy, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Excited to be back. After uh, part one, you you had done a little bit of research into what these the types of horses these Disney horses were. Uh, did you find any sort of appreciation for horses <laughs> in your research that may have, you know, warmed you up to them a little bit more than maybe you had been? You know, I appreciate them in their animated forms. Um, So a little cautious around them in real life. But hey, it was really interesting to see even just the different kind of um, horse types these animators took from um, for a lot of these character designs. So I feel like, yeah, I'm leaning more towards a little warmer towards horses, maybe still not really into, you know, getting up close and personal with one anytime soon, but I appreciate them. I Whenever I'm at the parks and I am walking around one of the like horse pulled trolleys or any of the mm. horse pulled vehicles, my mind automatically goes to what happens when they freak out. Yeah. And how can I not be next to them if really? they were to freak out? Yeah, I don't know why. I just because it's obviously like never happened. Or at least I don't know that it's happened that these horses have freaked out. But there are so many people on Main Street while these horses are walking down. I'm like. Man, I know that they're very well trained. I know that they're they're working and they're meant for this. But what happens if they get spooked, man? My see, because my thought is always what happens when that tail comes up and it just starts pooping. Yeah. Oh, I need, well, which does happen. I need to be ready to start booking it in the yeah. opposite direction. And that was the best part about the uh, Aladdin parade was that they had Jafar going around picking up the poop. That's um, right. It's great. I love it when they have horses in Parade Disney. I love the poop scoopers. They're the best part of it. <laughs> True. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. So we're going to talk more about horses. But first, Chris, we got a couple of emails. Yeah, baby. Oh, man. The inbox is usually dry, but we got a double feature not too long ago. And I've been meaning to address them. I've been meaning to talk to about them on air. Uh, and I just forget. So I here I am. I remember this time. 
we've got uh one positive and we've got one constructive criticism. Yeah. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I love it. I, I don't know that we've gotten one of those. We've before, never gotten so. one of them. Uh, but it's it's very valid, and I I wanted to at least acknowledge it. I may not read it word for word, but I'll I'll acknowledge it. So our boy Rick wrote in. Uh, Rick, shout out Rick W. Don't want to completely blast you on on air here. Um, but he basically reached out and it was like, man, you guys are cussing a lot on these episodes <laughs> these days. Uh, you used to bleep them out. I listen to these podcasts in the car with my kids on the way to school, like. Uh, I don't know if I can do it anymore if you guys are going to continue to curse like you do. And Rick, this is, there, valid point, Rick. Uh, we we used to do a lot of the bleeping out of curse words. We were very conscious of what we would be saying on air. And after a while, we just kind of didn't care anymore. It's just kind of how we talk in real life. And we wanted to really bring our real life personalities onto this show. Um, that being said... Uh, we also just got really lazy in editing and <laughs> to bleep out the words adds just that much work onto the editing of these shows. Uh, and so after some conversations with Chris, conversations with some other podcasters in the space, uh, we'll go back to bleeping some of the, the curse sure. words. Uh, we'll probably continue to curse on the show, uh, <laughs> but we will bleep them out so that they're a little bit more family friendly. So I appreciate you bringing that up because you know, we don't always understand who is listening to the show. Uh, we know that it's a lot of our friends <laughs> and they can deal with that. Uh, but when we have folks like Rick W. Ryan in, uh, we want to make sure that everybody can can take something away from the show. And, and we'll do an effort to, to you know, make it a little bit more family friendly. I mean, we're, we're, we are a family. We are the <laughs> Mouse Madness family. And welcome we to wanna, our family We want to welcome uh, all into it. So we don't want to be exclusive to anybody so no problem with me let's, yeah let's keep it clean kyle we'll keep it clean uh the booze might tell me different and uh sometimes some things may come out but that just leads to some more of the bleeping so thanks rick uh if you have any sort of you know constructive criticism if you want to call anything out about the shows you can be like rick and write in we don't mind we we love hearing from you all another email came in from a from a member of jerry's gang Bryn. There she is. Uh, who recently came in second in our Disney trivia for Jerry's Gang. So if you want to if you want to win some prizes, uh, come on over to Jerry's Gang for trivia. We'd love to have you. Uh, she had a bracket suggestion. Uh, she wants to be on the pod, which now we, we will definitely work her into the guest hosting duties. But she's talking best Disney monster. Ooh. Yeah. Which opens the door to really interpret monster however we want to do. Um, and then she replies to her own email and says, or Disney ghosts, you got Scream Team, you've got Christmas Carol, you've got Mufasa in the sky, you've got Grandma Tala as the, as the, <laughs> the Stingray. Coming, I knew like, it was coming. <laughs> like best Disney ghosts, but incor- incorporating all of the ghosts. What a great idea. Uh, so, Bryn, we're definitely going to have you on the pod. I think we responded to your email that we definitely want to do some of these. Uh, and the Monsters one is also really, really fun because like, that opens the door to to villains like Frollo. He's kind of a monster. He's monstrous. Yes. So uh, we definitely love those suggestions. Halloween time. We've got some brackets for us now laid on up. So if you have bracket ideas, email us. Mousemanispodcast at gmail.com. If you have constructive criticism, mousemanispodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Uh, and thanks to Bryn and Rick for writing in. Really appreciate it. Okay. That's out of the way. Spoonful of sugar time, Chris. Mm. Uh, we're back in the Oakland studios. Uh, you just polished off the last of that that sour ale, which was delicious. 
And so I had to provide for part two. And we are making through the extra alcohol that we have from the wedding. And part of that is White Claws. So you and I are bringing it back. We're sipping on a couple of White Claws that we brought home from from the wedding. Uh, because for whatever reason, they didn't get put out. I, I'm surprised to hear that yeah. you had leftovers because there were a couple events where people were searching, scr- they're scrounging around <laughs> for the remaining alcohol. And it's like, oh, all we have left is like red wine. Right. This was, I don't know that I can crush this like I can claws, but yeah, it got, um, it got left in one of the fridges that we did not know about. And then we were left unsupervised so no one could get it for us. So we came home with like three cases of White Claws and about six, 12 packs of Coors Light. (laughs) Okay. Um, And can we just talk about um, pizza? Sure, please. Yeah. Because yeah, we're drinking these White Claws. um, But I came in with a little Pizza Hut. Saw that. Today. Yeah. And... And it's it was Target Pizza Hut. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So like there's this little display case in my Target that has like takeaway Pizza yeah. Hut pizzas. Yeah. And every time I walk past it and I'm just like, one day, one day I think I'm going to try it, <laughs> but I'm going to be so embarrassed when I do. And today, today was the day and? I did it. I said, I'm going to give it a shot. And here's the thing. Let's talk about Pizza Hut specifically also. I don't think that I've ever had Pizza Hut. I used to crush Pizza Hut. Wow. When I was like eight years old, nine years old, (laughs) 10 years old, Pizza Hut was my jam. We had one in Ramona that had the whole Pizza Hut shaped house, everything. Oh, yeah. Doing the Book It program where they give you free um free pizzas if you read books <laughs> books yeah <laughs> they had they had like um little pizza hut characters okay. in, you know in the 90s all of the fast food restaurants had, had their own character pizza Dang. hut they had like a little um pizza cutter guy that was like a character <laughs> and um i will never forget this is disney related so i'll say it okay this is this is an all-time childhood memory they used they they gave out this kind of like gack it's kind of like a slime material. Yeah. At one point, and Flubber had just come out. Oh, yeah. My God. And and what is one of the qualities of Flubber? He's a it's, little slime boy. It's slimy and it's also very bouncy. Yep. So I was like, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take the Flubber, there the 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 slime, the gag, yeah. and I'm gonna put it in the back pocket of my pants, and, and I'm I going will- to sit on it. And I'm going to bounce up off of the ground. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And it absolutely ruined my Phoenix Coyote sweatpants. <laughs> oh, no. So, fun story about Pizza Hut and Disney. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, they changed the recipe at some point. Like, in, like, the 2010s, they changed the recipe, and it, it tanked. Uh, okay. It was awful. But I think they, they changed it back because... This, mind you, this is like a Target takeaway pizza. And right. I was like really, really into it. It was pretty good. Okay. Uh, cheese was solid. I'm not a big sauce guy. The bread was meh, but the cheese was really good. So mm. I'm optimistic. I might try it again, like in a normal Pizza Hut. Right. Yeah. Is there a Pizza Hut in the net? The Pizza Nut? I don't know. I haven't looked for <laughs> Pizza Nut before. <laughs> but shout out Pizza Hut. Okay. Shout I've- out Target Pizza Hut from target sure i've never had pizza hut i know there was one in hollister but it was on the further end of town and there was a a round table and a mountain mics that was closer to us so that we used to get that mountain mics is trash i remember really well 
liking Mountain Mike's, but also that could have been because they had an arcade in it. They so. also might have changed the recipe. All these pizza uh, places yeah. changed their pizza recipes, and totally. I don't know why. Totally. You know what? You know what is a staple though, a local staple, San Jose bogies. That Ooh. will always be the best. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. We might have to make a pizza trip to the South Bay. It sounds like a Great America and pizza trip is uh, oh. on the docket, baby. Yeah. Are, we, are we going to Great America Fest with uh, oh, yeah. uh, I Am Sue? <laughs> we should. Screw it. Um, great. Yeah. Pizza, White Claws, Spoonful of Sugar is riding high. Mandy, what you got? I uh, have one of my favorite cocktails, which is a Cure Royale. It's my Ooh. favorite because all you got to do is put a little creme de cassis or however you pronounce it with some sure. champagne and you've got a little nice fruity little beverage. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited uh, to get into some more horsies today with uh, a little fancy looking drink. So fancy. Is there more or less champagne than your mimosa from last week? More. Yeah. Oh, she's well, back. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see how I'm feeling at the end of this bracket, but hopefully <laughs> my stomach will, uh, will, will stay strong and uh, we'll be good to go. Ah, God, love it. All right, let's talk a little bit about how we got here last time. Chris was in the parks recently, so he served as our surveyor of folks that were riding King Arthur's carousel. Ask them, you know, hey, we got tons of horses in the Disney catalog. What are some of your favorites? They gave us 16. Chris mentioned that some that didn't make the bracket were the mythical horses, the reindeers, the water knock, Pegasus. Uh, we talked about some of the other cartoon horses like the Jolly Holiday Horse. Uh, and we got to a, a round of eight, an elite eight after the round of 16 that has really represented a lot of the Disney horses here. A little bit of everything in this elite eight. And I'm excited to get to it. So let's talk. Number one, Maximus, who is from Tangled, is taking on number nine, Snowball from Hunchback of Notre Dame. The number four, Angus from Brave, is going to take on the number 12, Cyril Proudbottom from the Mr. Toad portion of the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Number two, Bullseye from Toy Story is going to take on number seven, Captain from 101 Dalmatians. And number three, Khan from Mulan is going to take on number six, Achilles, again from a hunchback of Notre Dame with the double feature here on this bracket. Chris, I started off last time, so why don't you lead us off with the number one versus number nine? Yeah, I think we talked almost as much as we can, I think, about the number nine snowball on the last yeah. episode. I will say that that is another character kind of like um, Citron, where Jennifer Lee just put in like a Tumblr post that Hans's horse is named Citron. We don't hear Snowball's name mm. at all in the film. We know it's Snowball because in the director's commentary on the very first Hunchback DVD that was released, Don Hahn and the director's say that his name is Snowball. So if it wasn't for that director's cut years after the film was made when DVDs were were around, um, that's where we learned Frollo's... I almost said Frollo's cat. Frollo's <laughs> horse is named Snowball. Maybe Frollo does have a cat. Frollo feels like he sh should have a cat. Seems yeah, like a cat he guy. He shouldn't have a cat because he goes crazy for the... Mm -mm, I'm not going to say it because we just got... Oh, 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 bleeping, God. But <laughs> oh my god that was okay. <laughs> that takes a little bit of mental gymnastics to get to that one that so that good. is that is clean in my book you were quick on the draw yeah you were ready for that well <laughs> it's that double pour of champagne just really let it loose yep. <laughs> um but thank you for clarifying yes, that yes, that yes. i 
don't revisit Hunchback often. So, yeah. Um, but Snowball is uh, an accessory. He, he is one of Frollo's accessories. Yep. Snowball makes Frollo the complete villain. Snowball makes Frollo the physical threat in addition to the mental threat uh, that he he's lording over all of Paris, basically, with his super crazy, strict moral code. Yeah. And, and Snowball helps him get there. A uh, good horse, just because like a good horse is sort of one and the same with its rider. Yeah. And so I, I think a horse needs a rider. Like, let's just, mm. let's just, let's just say that. Okay. And so, you know, Snowball's up against a character like Maximus and Maximus, they, <laughs> they ride, they, they ride Maximus. Yeah. But Maximus is, is his own person. Sure. And it's always. It was always a little bit confusing to me. Not confusing. I was like, what's going on? But like, why does he care so much? (laughs) Confusing. Like this, this situation feels unrealistic. I know that's stupid to say about a Disney (laughs) movie, but especially about Tangled, about magic. Sure. (laughs) For for there to be like a horse that is commanding humans Mm. and there's no human atop the horse always felt like interesting okay. bizarre and i'm talking about maximus at the beginning of the movie when right. he's still like on the 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 case he's the, like detective maximus yeah <laughs> he's still fighting for corona and he's like trying to find Flynn rider and trying to whatever i'm always like why is like this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense right yeah so um i think having snowball be a horse that we only really think about as an extension of Frollo. I think that's okay. Okay. Like, I think, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think I prefer that mm. over just a, a side, like basically a sidekick horse. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's some horses that we have left that are a good kind of like in between. Yeah. Uh, but we have, we, I think we have kind of the extremes here. Totally. Maximus is funny, um, but in I, I, I don't watch the Tangled show, so I'm sure people like Powerhouse Tess can comment <laughs> on Maximus in the series. But I do remember watching the the short, the Frozen yes, yes. or uh, the Tangled Happily Ever After short or whatever it's yep, called. Yep. Um, and With him and Pascal. Yep. yep. They get married. Uh, <laughs> Eugene and Rapunzel yeah. get married. Pascal and, and Maximus get married. Pax- <laughs> they should. They, honestly. Pascal and Maximus are the ring bearers for the wedding. And, and they, they, they lose the ring. Drop that ring. And they go on this like adventure, not an adventure, but on this like wild goose chase to get the ring back. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I feel like you're sort of stripping the character away from maximus you're you're sort of starting to loop him in Mm. with characters like pascal right where it's like oh they're a sidekick so they must be somewhat incompetent they must be funny they must get into hijinks and in side quests and i don't know that based on the way we meet maximus that i like that that's where he went. Yeah. And I'll continue my referencing community street. Cause I did it in the last <laughs> episode. 
But um, Donald Glover's character in Community is a great example in TV of like a character who starts one way mm. and by the end of the show is something completely different. Mm. Like in the first episode, he's this like super hardened like jock character. And by the end, he's this like goofy nerd who's very over the top. And so like that's, I think that's kind of what happens with Maximus is yeah. he's this sort of like by the book, tough, t- um, bad cop sort of yes. detective And that's funny to their group dynamic because Eugene is the outlaw. He's Mm -hmm. the fugitive. He plays by his own rules. Mm -hmm. And so having the two in the group together, like that's fun. Totally. But having him just be another Pascal, Pascal, like the character disappears. Hmm. And, and, and we're talking about him as a character, not even as a horse. So like now, now it's like, where's the, where's the horsiness even here? So, I don't know. I didn't really have a strong preference one over the other when we started this <laughs> this rant, but <laughs> yeah. it sounds like I'm I'm leaning snowball here. Interesting. Yeah, I've even going into this bracket, I felt like Maximus does a great job at being that personality character. Like he he's not just a uh, What's a good? He's not just like a um a Sam Samson, right? He's not just like this horse that exists to be a vehicle through the film, but is a a integral part to the story of this group. Um, without him, you have he's really keeping Flynn in check throughout this journey. He knows that if he deviates, that Maximus is gonna snatch him up and and report him back in. Uh, so he has to play along with Rapunzel's needs and wants uh, or else he's going to jail and Maximus is there and he's going to make sure he goes to jail. So there he plays a really important part. And I think he, that makes him a little bit more than just the sidekick. Like he is the, the, the force that is making Flynn behave. And then Pascal is even checking them. Like he is, he is the overall God of the group where he is the one that is always watching them, making sure they're behaving. So it's this interesting group dynamic, and I actually think it really works, and I really do like it. Um, but that's where he becomes less of a horse and more of just a character. He sword fights at one point in Tangled against uh, Flynn, which is very weird to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way that he kind of, like I said in the last episode, acts more like Flynn's brother with the kind of like punching, I'm not touching you type yeah. attitude is also really weird for the horse character who historically in these films are either, you know, the the mode of transportation, usually a little bit more skittish, but also will find its bravery in moments. Even Prince Philip's horse goes through that thicket of thorns to to accomplish the mission. Um, But you're right. Maximus feels very much like he could have been anything, not even necessarily a horse. It just fit that he works for the Royal Guard and the guards definitely have horses. He could have been a dog. He acts like one. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, interesting. I don't know that I was going to have this upset, but I think I might agree with you oh, here. Baby. I think that it's because, at least with Snowball, we know that Snowball is loyal to Frollo and has the same evil mindset as Frollo. He does not like Phoebus and, and uh, Achilles. He shows that throughout the film just with his his glances and his looks. And he does serve as kind of that 
the the other part of Frollo. If Frollo doesn't have this horse, then he's not walking from town to town burning down villages. You know, he is part horse in that way uh, because he needs to appear larger than life. And this horse helps him do that, just as the horse in anything makes people appear larger than life. The these armies ride these horses for ease of transportation, but then also take them into battle because they are going to be much bigger than others if they can be on this horse and have this advantage. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't think I was going to have it, but I think I'll agree with you with the upset. Mandy, upset. Maximus goes down the top seated horse. What are your thoughts? Hard disagree. Um, really? If, if if Rollo's horse didn't even have a name in the credits of the movie, uh-huh. they had to like think about it after. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I just don't think. Anyway, we'll get more into talking about Snowball because I have thoughts. But um, you know, I think Maximus is just such an integral part of Tangled. And yeah, I totally get that. Like, he doesn't act like a horse should. But I think that's the charm of a character like that, and why he's so memorable. It's just like all of his antics are just. Like it, it lends so much more to the story of Tangled um, than I think Snowball lends itself to the story of Hunchback. But we'll get into it. We'll have some more discussions about Snowball in the next round. Sad to see Maximus go, but let, <laughs> let's let's get in with the spicy opinions. I'm here for it. Hey, first one of the bracket, <laughs> first one of this part two. All right, next one. It's number four, Angus versus number twelve, Cyril Proudbottom. Neither of these horses I had moving on. Uh, we talked about Angus being a very important character to Merida, and and both of you brought up the fact that we forget we, we forget how little this horse is in the film because of how iconic he is in the scenes that he is in. Uh, the touch the sky moment is his moment to shine, um, and he's arguably the most like anatomically correct horse on this bracket, at least in his animated form. The way that he moves, the way that he reacts, like this feels like a very, very real horse, uh, which is great. And it's really important and important to Merida to have this, like I said, to have this kind of vehicle that doesn't detract from her own storyline or her own personality in ways that horses can do, like a Cyril Proudbottom, who is less horse, more friend. So here we are again. Uh, But... He is also Toad's mode of transportation before he ditches him for a motor car. Uh, he gives us that loyal factor that we kind of like out of these horses yeah. and the way that he he defends Toad, even spins the story a little bit to uh, help get him off free in court, which he does unsuccessfully. Uh, and he helps break him out of jail by dressing up as his grandma. And this is like where it's really difficult for me because it's the same sort of thing with Maximus. Like, there's only so much that I can take when I'm thinking about a a good horse character. They can both be good characters and they are both good characters. But once they leave their kind of physical form to take on attributes of something else, I always wonder why we don't just do that something else. Like why was the choice to make him a horse if he's going to mostly be a person? I get in Toad, it makes sense. Maximus, for me, it's like... He could have been literally any other animal uh, and because he behaves like literally any other animal. And so you have Cyril, who's basically acting more like a human than any of the other characters, uh, except for maybe Toad. And in a scenario in which the humans also recognize these animals as not just just animals, they're talking to them, they're they're 
recognize that these animals are going to dress up. Toad is going to wear a wig and a monocle and uh, Cyril's going to wear a shirt, right? So I don't know. This is a tough one for me because it's like I didn't really care for either of these moving on. I think just because of my own standards that I've already set in this episode, I'm going to stay consistent with that. I'm going to move Angus on. Uh, he he has that that writer mentality. He has to have somebody or else who is Angus. Uh, and he's important to Merida and an iconic part of that film. I like Cyril as a character, but I don't think I like him as a horse. Hmm. I, I think I'm I'm feeling the same way. Hmm. I think that I've loved sort of revisiting Mr. Toad. I've loved yep. revisiting Cyril. I really get a kick out of his energy <laughs> and also toad and cyril as like a duo yeah the false confident <laughs> it's duo. like it's like a tweedledee and tweedledum mm-hmm. or like a beavis mm-hmm. and hey, butthead hey fun fact now that you mentioned tweedledee and tweedledum it's the same voice actor that does cyril get look at that look subconsciously at that. okay wow <laughs> um or disney's just really uncreative with their casting choices <laughs> but but i love that you know like yes like they represent that sort of reckless abandon that I sometimes wish that I had, mm. you know, like I really wish I could have that confidence to be like, I'm not, I literally, not that I'm not afraid. I literally can't process whatever <laughs> thing that you're afraid of. Like, I don't even see that as something that I could or should be right. Um, considering. I love that. Yeah. Uh, that can be aspirational to me. But I'm I'm with you on Angus. Like mm. I think I think what you said about like him being humans kind of a th- kind of uh valid and, and also like yes, Cyril is is loyal to Toad, but Cyril doesn't seem bonded to Toad in the same way that like Merida and Angus are like bonded. Mm. You know, like that horse bond is an important thing in in, in, i'm not a horse owner so i don't know like the intricacies (laughs) of how that works in real life but especially in a disney movie uh you know i'm thinking about uh joey lawrence i was literally (laughs) just gonna say that i was like all i know about horses i learned from that joey lawrence film (laughs) uh horse sense the decom you know the the like you have to be able to tame the horse yes. like it, ha- it you have to trust it it has to be able to trust you our entire qualifications <laughs> for a horse is based on horse sense <laughs> that exists in entangled you know like she's she's out here just being able to do things that no one else can do on horseback yeah. because of this bond she has with this horse i wish we got to see more of it you sure. know like all we really get is her like cleaning his stall a little bit right, and just right. like we kind of hop into their relationship, um, you know, as it's been established, which, which fine. Like, that's not what the movie's about. But no. uh, I'm going to agree. I'm going to move Angus from Brave on. Uh, Mandy, would you would you have agreed with us on that one or is that another hard pass for you? Um, you know, I agree purely because Cyril um, also really annoys the heck out of me. Uh, mm. Whenever I watch Mr. Toad, I identify strongly with Rat. And so oh. I just get really, I get anxious for Toad and his bad choices, which Cyril totally does nothing to like. He he, he encourages Toad's bad choices, you know, yeah. from the getting the automobile to like breaking him out of prison, right? Like, it's just... 
you know, morally, I, I, you know, think Cyril should go down here. So I'm happy to move on Angus and excited to talk more about Angus because Angus is a beautiful horse, even though he might get less screen time. Totally. I would love to see a, a short film that is Cyril and Toad, like leading <laughs> up, leading up to that moment, because we get them coming in hot, singing their song. How, how did they get together? How did we get yeah. to that moment? I would love it as a short. I don't need a full length. I would love it as like a 20 minute short of just like the antics that these two get into. Because you're right. It's very Beavis and Butthead, dumb and dumber. It's very much like these two, uh, you know, idiots that have kind of survived <laughs> with it's, each other. It's Johnny Knoxville and Steve-O. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. Not wrong. And if you think that you identify with Ratty in this um in this film, uh, Wind in the Willows, the book is even more like Rat is the only <laughs> source of truth because all of the other characters are maniacs. <laughs> Molly in this film is like very like anxious and kind of timid and and really scared. In the book, Molly is a nut job. <laughs> he just wants to like yeah. do things and go places and like it's like settle down, Molly. You can't even see. Uh, so Wind in the Willows, if you want to read that, it's a good, it's a good read. It's fun. Hi, I'm Thaddeus Toad, and welcome to Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next matchup is the number two Bullseye from Toy Story versus number seven Captain from oh, oh. You made a very compelling argument uh, when talking about Bullseye in in the last episode, where you said that Toy Story two Bullseye, great horse. Yeah. He has this shyness about him that is extremely horse-like. He has this almost like a calm about him. Given the situation, right? a calm about him for a lot of the movie. There's a, a, a moment where... Woody is out of his like case when he's in Al's apartment. I think it's the cheesy poofs yeah. scene and, and like bullseyes out as well. <laughs> and, and like, it's a really sort of like cowboy in his horse moment, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and I really love that because it's like, yeah, you have bullseye, like step on the Cheeto yep. and it's like, Oh, like you shouldn't be doing that. It's like kind of dog. Like, but at the same time, I think it comes from a place of like trying to help the hero yep. accomplish his heroic yep. objective. In this case, get, removing the arm from, <laughs> from Al's, Al's pocket. pocket. <laughs> um, and he is able to, Bullseye is able to run with, with a coordination that is, that is only able achievable from a horse like if you've ever seen the videos of like people setting up cups in their hallway and making their cats Cats walk through it versus their dogs like seeing bullseye be able to like run down that runway at Mm. the end of toy story 2 be able to navigate like the conveyor belt uh in, in toy story 2 like that stuff that's really like valiant Mm-hmm. noble steed like in mm-hmm. in in those moments i go this is the perfect balance this is the hero's horse that makes me think that 
you know, here you have this aspirational, super um, regal animal, um, but also he has this big heart to him too. That right. I think so many people who love horses, that's kind of what they see is mm. is like they they have this ability to connect with people in a way that some animals don't or in a way that's slightly different than other animals. And so in Toy Story 2, that's great for Bullseye. But like you keep saying, like he turns into a puppy. He turns into a dog. He turns into, in a lot of ways, a liability for the group Mm -hmm. where like you, he's a little bit of, of kind of a wild card. Totally. uh, In Toy Story 3 and, and in future movies. So, and, and like, we even see that when at the end of Toy Story 2, when they make it into Andy's room and uh, Bullseye gets his hooves painted with uh, Andy yeah, and he, yeah. he spells Danny and he's like, <laughs> oh, I gotta like respell it. That's one of those things where you're like, all right, that's like, that's like donkey humor, like right, not right. horse humor and, you know, I get it. It's supposed to be like a, a campy cowboy puppet show and so you know of course this is sort of the the relatable hero in a lot of ways but i don't know i think i'm i'm starting to kind of see your side of it and in and, and also you know the fact that he is sort of like a toy and and this is where this is a very similar position we had slink in when we were talking about disney dogs, dogs yeah. where we were like yeah he's a good dog he's a good sidekick um he gets excited but he's like a toy dog and also, like the fact that he doesn't talk, there's an inconsistency or make noise there's at a, all. There's an inconsistency in Toy Story for like toys that can talk, toys that can't talk. Like what? Yeah, like why? what? <laughs> what makes Rex talk but not Bullseye? What makes any inanimate object come to life? Like, what's the criteria for mm. being able to have a personality? Like, right. an RC car? What's the difference between that and, like, the controller that they use to control the RC car? <laughs> right, like, right, how right. come if it... There's a hockey puck that has, like, <laughs> lifelike qualities. There's yeah. the a bunch of, like, SIDS toys that it's like they're not really expressive and- yeah interesting i i don't think i've ever thought about that like what why do some of these toys get to speak and others don't especially like take sid's toys out of the equation because they're all patched together they're all messed yep. up anyways okay. but in andy's room itself you have slink you have rex you got ham who's a piggy bank essentially hollow inside and then you have Bullseye, who's probably closer to build as Woody and Jesse, where he's like stuffed, but he isn't able to speak. He can open his mouth. He has teeth, but he doesn't like make any noises. So I don't know. It feels like that just lends even further to his like puppiness, where he is just this like obedient pet that doesn't speak, that just kind of follows them around, is very loyal um, but he doesn't have a lot of the horse-like qualities that a lot of these Disney horses do where they are neighing, they are whimpering, they are in some cases talking. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a really interesting choice for Bullseye, but I think it's also kind of like, you know, we've got enough characters. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly do. Um, and Captain, the thing I like about Captain is that 
horses when they are you know positioned alongside humans you know when they're domesticated horses or, or whatever they often serve some they serve a purpose yeah, they you know job. like they don't people don't own horses just to like pet them right like they do with dogs for the most part they they ride horses mm-hmm. they have them do farm things, things. <laughs> i don't know what that is but they ride them yeah. to do farm things, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They, put them for the cart. Yeah. They, they, they drive yep. the carts. I don't know. <laughs> so what's interesting is that Captain, or the implication is that Captain was at one point a cavalry horse. Right. He, he had a job. Yep. And so in his retirement, this is his retirement job. Yeah. Is. They're, they're playing this, army. <laughs> what is it called? Like the 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 night the bark the, network or the yeah. night the night um night it's call like or night, night watch. call something I don't know. Yeah, but he's he. You can tell that there's a sense of fulfillment for him as well as um, Tibbs and Colonel that they have this sort of like military like yes. setup. And I think that definitely speaks to Captain being being a horse. Sure. He's rocking the little like cavalry coat. Twilight Bark. By Twilight the way. Bark. Yeah. yeah. He's rocking the little cavalry yeah, coat yeah, at fresh. all times. So he's got he's got a fit. <laughs> yeah. He's got some drip to him. <laughs> um, I like him. I, I do like Captain. I'm gonna move him on here over Bullseye in an upset. Yeah, I think that Bullseye just suffers from being so puppy like. Uh yes, he does have the horse qualities when he does have his job like the, a lot of these horses need you. That's such a great, great point to bring up about these horses is like giving them a function because a lot of them do have functions and want functions. And that's what they're they are bred to do as a job. And so Bullseye, when he is running, when he is chasing something, when he has to play the part of his steed, does really, really well. But he's also very like, like aware that he is also not just horse, that he is toy. Uh, example is when they're doing the like fashion show or like the introduction Woody comes uh, bursting out of the box mm-hmm. and he's like pointing yeah. and, and bullseye rolls up and he like for some reason feels naked and he like covers himself up do you remember this he like rolls out and he yeah. and he like so that he's like sitting there or he's standing there on two hooves and his belly's exposed and he like covers up where his like privates would be and then he like scurries off screen anyways really bizarre because he never does anything like that again block that out of yeah memory. It, it's really bizarre maybe i mean they put a lot of sketch things in the credits like the miss uh stinky pete with two barbies in his box <laughs> like right. mystery two was a little little i don't know and i love it i love them for it to be honest but maybe that's why you don't remember it maybe was it an end credit yeah, Gag? it was, the, it was okay. part of the end credits because uh, Woody flies off the saddle um, off right. of his back and then Bullseye covers himself. Right. Yeah, okay. So then even in that, okay, even in that, which one of these days we need to talk about these like Pixar's early like blooper reels uh, yeah. because now Bullseye is a actor that is playing Bullseye. <laughs> A whole other it's a whole worms. other thing that we would need to talk about anyways um so the way that bullseye acts like this puppy this kind of like following around being silent uh seen not heard type thing is not really what i think about when i think of horses 
and with captain and just horses in general, I also think of them being really important, right? Like they're important for the rider, whether or not they are, you know, used for travel or not. They're important to to fill out functions. Uh, they have some sort of reality to them, no matter who they are. And captain just happens to be a, you know, a vet, <laughs> a veteran. So like there's an importance that comes with him as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm not going to pull up the chance to send 100 doll- one, 101 Dalmatians on. So I'm going to do it. Uh, Captain's definitely going to go past Bullseye. Mandy, did we make the right decision? This is a really hard one because it's tough. Like- I think the thing about bullseye that I love in this horse bracket is it has that wild west cowboy out, uh, aspect yeah. and about his horse. And like another horse that missed this bracket was is the Pico Spill Widowmaker, right? Which is another kind of wild west yep. cowboy horse. Like cowboys need their horses. I mean, we did have a whole Toy Story one where Woody didn't have Bullseye, but he also was kind of insufferable in that movie, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things I really love about Bullseye, especially that like epic playtime scene in Toy Story 3, where yes. Woody's riding on, on Bullseye to chase the train and it, it's super epic. And so I, I understand the arguments against Bullseye. I, I think that personally, I, I kind of would have maybe gone with Bullseye just because he has a lot more um, mm. about him and his personality and that whole, you know, I, I just love that it ties into that, that Wild West as- aspect, but you know, sorry to see you go, and and we'll talk about Captain. All right, next matchup then to round out this elite eights number three Con versus number six Achilles. I think this is pretty easy. Yeah, here. Uh, I think it has to be Con. Achilles is used for the joke of his name that apparently was just made up by Kevin Klein. Like otherwise, you won't, you wouldn't have anything with Achilles in this film. Uh, I remember when we were just watching it not too long ago with Mandy and Tess and, and some other friends, I was like primarily watching the horses because I knew that we were going to be talking about them. <laughs> and I was like, wow, Achilles is really memorable as like a package with Phoebus, but like he doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> like he sits on guards twice in the film. And that's basically like it. Yeah. Uh, Phoebus doesn't even really transport himself on, on a, uh, Uh, Achilles very often in the film he's mostly walking around so like Achilles is kind of only there when needed for either a laugh or to get Phoebus Esmeralda and and Quasi from point A to point B Uh, and I like a little bit more out of these horses than just that and I think like that's going to be an issue later on but like I think that they need to give a little bit more especially in the personality factor and in the connection factor. We obviously know that he has a connection with Phoebus because Phoebus can say something and he'll do it. Uh, but it it's not as personal as some of these other horses with their riders. Uh, and so like Achilles feels a little bit too surface level to go on to the next round. While Khan feels like not only does he have that perfect connection with Mulan, but he also is connecting with the sidekicks in a way that is not like a pascal and maximus feud mm-hmm. where it's more so like we i recognize your importance but you're also really annoying to me <laughs> you know like i know that you're here on this journey and i know you're a fraud too khan knows that mushu is not actually uh, an ancestor totally like he knows that but he also recognizes that like in order for mulan to continue on this journey 
her believing Mushu is this ancestor is very important. So yeah. he's going to put up with them. He's going to, you know, buck them off and spit at them, but he's going to put up with them. And I like that. I, I think like that lends its hand to a very like important part of a horse, which is its smarts. Horses mm-hmm. are fairly smart and they're very situa- situational, situationally aware, which is why they are so skittish and afraid. They know when things are going down, so they're going to get out of there. And Khan shows that too. Khan is fairly afraid, but also will activate because he recognizes that he's an army horse. I also wonder if Khan was part of the like the army when Mulan's dad was in the army. I would say yes, because Khan is like a family horse. Right. And... I, so I I would I would lean yes. So on that. It, that experience also lends its hand. Like that's Khan's job. Khan shows up uh, as as this kind of army horse, as this battalion horse, and so that's really important for Mulan. Recognizes that this avalanche is happening. This army is getting crushed. I'm gonna go in there and swoop up and save them. I'm not gonna run on two hooves, and I'm not gonna be like, oh Mulan, where are you? I'm gonna be my horse self and go give them a chance to survive. I love that. Number three, definitely like no, no doubt about it moves on. It's, I never really kind of considered that idea that Khan has been in the situation maybe before. Right. And I think it leads me to another question, which is where is everyone else's horse? Yeah. Because if, well, remember everybody else like hopped on the wagon. Oh, did they? And went to okay. camp. Mm-hmm. And they didn't take the one of the family members of Mulan because the dad was like sick and and he's fell down. The, but he's also like um, he was requested as like a captain or something right. himself. And right. So I'm sure he might have had like a special mm, yeah. special passage thing where he could roll up by himself. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Um. But um. Khan clearly doesn't recognize Mulan when they're first <laughs> right, going to right. head out. Yes. Mulan's got the short haircut dressed in the army stuff and she rolls into that stable and Khan's like, who the? Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. And so that's, I mean, that's interesting, I guess. But once Khan was, was kind of calmed down. He and it took like he, no time. He, 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 he locked in. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. Khan's a great character, a great horse. Achilles is nobody. Uh, <laughs> Mandy, uh, are we good with that? Yeah. I mean, Achilles is literally the butt of the joke. Um, and oh my God. One of my favorite things, so one of my favorite things is I was looking at Google images for all these horses. Cause I was also like, I think look is really important as part of a horse. Yeah. And this is one of the top results for Achilles. And he's literally doing like a Kim K balancing the champagne on his butt. Oh no. Frame. Look at that horse. Look at him mm, back at it. Like, yeah, I'm going to sit on your face. Like, <laughs> like, that is a ridiculous screen capture. Um, And so, you know, I agree. I, I think Khan, there's a lot of more redeeming qualities to Khan than there is Achilles. So, yeah. That's, that's some Double kind cheeked of, up that, on a Thursday That's some afternoon. kind of furry content. I feel <laughs> oh, like. no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, we're down to a final four. Semi-final number one is the number nine Snowball from Hunchback versus number four Angus. I think this is where we can send Snowball home. I think this is where we say, I you know, the idea of Snowball is great. 
the concept of his relationship with Frollo is great, but there aren't a whole lot of moments where we see that relationship pay off. Uh, whereas Angus, yes, also not a huge character in the movie, but is at least present for a lot of the important moments in the movie. Angus isn't always front and center, but those situations where we have Merida enter into like the Stonehenge situation, Merida following the will of the wisps, her doing the touch the sky music video, uh, (laughs) you know, her um, riding with her mom to to the in the resolution or whatever like yeah. angus is there for most of those big moments on the journey and while angus might not be driving a lot of the action or reacting in the way a lot of these horse sidekicks might uh i think it's it's angus is present more than snowball is present in the mm. movie yeah Interesting, because I think I'm going to actually go Snowball. Hmm. And I'm going to do that because for whatever reason, when I think about Hunchback and and Frollo, I do see Snowball a lot. I see the opening scene and just how like important Snowball, what an important role Snowball plays into the entire scenario that we get ourselves into. Like he is just obeying Frollo. He is out for blood really (laughs) when he's chasing down quasi's mom like that is such a the the low camera angle up at the horse as it's running is imprinted on my brain and with angus i remember him being a part of the film but like until revisiting don't remember a ton of how he's a part of the film and like i said i figured that he was just kind of with merida the entire time and that's not necessarily the case uh and so i think like I'm going to go with Snowball for not only the reasons that we brought up last time with like what an important part he plays to Frollo's villainy, which makes him need a writer like in order to exist and be as powerful as he is. He needs Frollo and vice versa, uh, but also because I just have this like memory bias towards Snowball because this big evil horse is hunting down people, uh, is helping enact these horrible crimes uh, and is by Frollo's side whenever these awful acts are happening. Frollo doesn't really do a ton of bad things without his horse. Like until he gets to the final scene in which he is climbing like the tower with his sword and, and wailing like a, a madman uh, or he's sitting in the, the festival of fools. Even then he doesn't have the courage to act. He's just kind of sitting silently getting punked the entire time and then uses his voice to turn it. But it's not until he has his horse when he acts actually violent towards others. I don't know. I'm going to go with Snowball. Mandy, you're breaking a tie. And I know that you had some things you wanted to talk about with Snowball. Well, yeah. So I think that the the reason why I can't move Snowball on this bracket is because he's so evil. He's okay. in not only the murder of Quasimodo's mom, but the attempted murder, murder of a whole dang family. <laughs> but, like Frollo is like lock this family up in their mill and almost set fire to it. Who is he riding? Freaking Snowball. Like and Snowball's <laughs> rearing up. Like yeah, we're gonna burn this family alive. Like I can't. Love fire. He's not a good horse. He's a very bad horse. And <laughs> like for that reason, even though I understand, like yes, there's some iconic imagery with Snowball in Hunchback of Notre Dame. I got I got to move Angus on here. I mean. 
Snowball is a good horse to Frollo. Yeah. He's just not a good horse Horrible to the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That brings us to this last final four matchup. It's Captain versus Khan. And unfortunately, 101 Dalmatians have to go down here. Oh, no. Because when I do think about these horses, I don't necessarily picture immediately like the talking horse when I think about these Disney horses. I do think about the sidekick horse, the one that has a rider that helps our hero accomplish tasks, but also gives us the personality. Uh, I think that's what makes like Maximus such a great number one seed is that we get all personality, no rider. Uh, and with Khan, we get the best of both worlds. We get that balanced expectation of the horse that helps our hero accomplish tasks, but isn't going to sit by idly as things happen. Also, will give us some personality. The the I've been here, done that. You all are children to me, to the other animals, but. To Mulan, we were locked in. We are going to be as one. We're going to be a team. And I think like that is part of that that horse rider relationship is moving as one, relating as one. As Eva as Frollo was, they had that same connection. They knew that what the task was at hand. Snowball was always going to help Frollo accomplish those tasks. Same connection with Mulan. And you have the added bravery of like a noble steed out of Khan where Khan is going to understand the task at hand and be willing to go into danger. Uh, and I think that's important to these like fairy tales. Yeah, uh, You always hear about these noble steeds. And I think Khan does such a great job of being a character that we don't need to speak because we have enough of them, uh, but also is different enough personality-wise from the cricket, from the dragon, from Mulan, from Shang, own character but that does not take over the the screen does not take over the story but you love to see every time yeah. they do something so Khan is a great horse number three has to move on for me yeah the word a lot of things used to describe uh like a good horse is trust trusted mm. it's trusted steed yeah right 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 and and Khan is is that when you are thinking about like realistically the animals that you might be able to have with you in a, any type of predicament, you know, like obviously it's not feasible that you would have like a lion with you right? Uh, or a dragon or something um, of, of the animals horse is probably the one that you'd most want with you, which is why we see horses as part of military operation mm. in, in ancient history. And we see um, police officers on horseback, uh, in, in certain situations, uh, they are basically the best that you can do when it comes to domesticated animals that you can have control of and that you can perform most maximally if you're talking about getting out of a difficult situation. Right. And we see that in Mulan where Khan is able to ride through the storm, ride through the rain to get to that military base camp on night one and also straight up rescue Mulan and <laughs> Li Shang yes. from the the avalanche. Yeah. I mean, Mushu and and Khan are surfing the avalanche uh, and and rescuing our heroes, which that's big. Yep, that's big. And Captain is great, but he just yeah, like you said, he doesn't have a writer. There's that human uh, relationship's just not there, and that is uh, so important for a horse more so than it is, I think for a dog or a cat or a bird when mm. we're talking about Disney characters. Mm. So I'm with you. We've got number three con from Mulan advancing. It's going to be a four, three matchup. Mandy, do you think you would have done the same? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm excited for Khan to move on here. Um, one of my favorite fun facts about Captain is it's voiced by uh, Thurl Ravenscroft. So, ah, yeah, with Disney legend. He's our boy. Um, but yeah, excited to talk more about Khan. All right. That takes us to the finals. Number four, Angus from Brig versus number three, Khan from Mulan. And this is really, really, really tough hmm. because they're, they're similar in a lot of ways. Um, Angus and Khan both represent in a lot of ways the same thing for both of our heroes. They both come from families where they have specific roles that are expected of them. Yeah. And they both literally use their horses to defy escape. that. Yeah. And yeah, defy the the gender stereotype, defy the family role, defy tradition essentially. Uh so really both horses and both characters have that going for them. Um Khan the upside to Khan is that those situations that Khan is in are so much more dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> so much more like, yeah, the, the, the danger for our hero is 10 out of 10. Totally. The, the price of failing is death. And I mean, you can sort of say the same thing about Merida in yeah. kind of a roundabout way. Like, oh, if Angus isn't able to help Merida, then the mom stays the bear and then the bear stops recognizing it as the daughter and Merida gets eaten. Mm -hmm. Like maybe, but, mm -hmm. but there's more stepping stones to kind of get there. Whereas like straight up, if you don't have the horse, you drown in the avalanche. Right. Like that's it. Right. But mm. I'm going with Angus. Wow. Specifically because a horse is representative of freedom. Obviously that exists in both of these stories. Yep. Freedom from something, but it also represents freedom to something. <laughs> and the place that you want to go when you traditionally ride a horse is the countryside, <laughs> the prairie, yeah. the grasslands, <laughs> yeah. the mountains. <laughs> Somewhere where you are physically in some type of serene environment away from it all. And that's where Angus tends to take Merida. We see them go through a forest. We see them climb a mountain. We see them at the foot of a waterfall. These, these two go to the edges of their kingdom mm. to find those moments of freedom and those moments of serenity. And that's also without kind of pointing out the obvious that very clearly Merida's relationship with Angus is so much more strong than right. Mulan's relationship with Khan. They have a strong relationship too, but you can tell that like Merida and Angus, they're, they're mm. like all that each other have. And yeah. they probably have been together for a long time and it's like just them two like but, sure mm -hmm. Khan's a family horse but like the the one-on-one -on -one connection that Angus and Merida have I think is unlike any other yeah sure uh and and on top of the fact that like love the horse animation on Angus Angus is a big, big, boy, big boy and uh love touch the sky <laughs> so I'm going with the number four seed 
Uh, I'm I'm definitely going number three seed here because as I've said from the top of this bracket, that personality play that the Disney puts into these horses, I think is very important. It's also why I remember these horses so well is the way that they react uh, are proactive in their actions like it is that personality and you get so much of that out of con, not just with the examples I gave with him interacting with Mushu and the cricket, but also when Mulan is first starting to like become this like soldier. And before they even get to camp, she does the whole, like, let me try on my man voice. Mm. And you have Khan that's like looking like a therapist, like crossed hooves <laughs> over a, over a rock, like a little judge. And when she does it, he starts laughing like as a horse would laugh rolling on his back laughing and it's like that is the only moment in which Khan leaves his horse physicality and becomes a little bit more like a human but still reacts like a horse would if a horse were to laugh and if they were to continue that throughout the film I think that you would have a little bit too much and it would become a Maximus but since we have just that little bit of that interaction between Mulan and Khan to understand their dynamic where Khan is not going to just blindly follow Mulan, but Khan is actually aware of, of the situation and of what Mulan's trying to accomplish and is going to call her out when she's being ridiculous. Like that is that connection that Merida and Angus also have. And theirs is unspoken because Merida only has Angus. Uh, but I kind of like a little bit more of this personality, this character, the one that doesn't necessarily take over the screen, but the audience recognizes as so important to the journey, but also to that main character. And that's Khan for me. So I'm going to crown Khan as the best Disney horse, which means the one that is the most afraid of horses is going to crown the best Disney horse. Wow. How did we get here? Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's interesting, right? Because yeah, like we said, Angus and Khan, they have a lot of similarities, surprisingly. Um, yeah. But I think what's going to push this one over the edge for me is um, just how present Khan is in Mulan's life versus how present Angus is in Merida's life. And there's a really pivotal scene when Mulan is discovered to be a woman and they're about to like execute her. They're like going to chop her neck off. Khan is in the back freaking the f out <laughs> like it takes a bunch of soldiers to restrain Khan. like Khan is like i am all about protecting my rider protecting my human it's not even you know he's he's mulan's dad's horse but he he has that bond with mulan and and, and it, it it's really like it goes life or death like he he's there he's gonna fight these soldiers he's gonna make sure mulan's not not executed and angus like i love what angus means to merida and totally get the freedom angle like love that and I, I absolutely love Touch the Sky and that whole montage. But I just think that, you know, looking at the whole movie, Angus, he's not he's not always there. And um, <laughs> he's not much of a ride or die. He's more of a ride, but would yeah. rather not die. And Khan is. So I'm, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go with Khan here. All right. The movie Mulan hangs another banner in the Mouse Madness rafters. The best Disney horse is the Mulan family horse. Con. And as we do at the end of every bracket, we are going to clap it out. We did it, Chris. Wow. We we talked about horses <laughs> for two whole episodes. Can't believe it. Honestly, can't believe it. And I didn't realize how much until the research and until we started talking about these horses, how similar 
the catalog of Disney horses are and how necessary their existence to a main protagonist is for them to be like an effective character. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I they're they're diverse in how they look, how they act, how just exactly how horse-like they are. But at the end of the day, I think it was fun to kind of go over all of these different horses, and uh, it was it was another fun one. And Mandy, thank you so much for joining us on this horse adventure. Yeah, thanks. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be a horse girl now. Uh, <laughs> never too late. Never too late. All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about horses, mm. if you have a bracket topic, you want to hop in and be a co-host, if you have constructive criticism or some props you'd like to throw our way, email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Discord, and Twitter. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash mousemadness and join us at the $5 level by becoming a member of Jerry's gang where you get access to things like two bonus Mouse Madness episodes a month. Yep. Like this month where I talked about my trip to Disneyland and my, my dinner at Club 33. Ooh. You'll have access to things like video episodes, the right to vote on bracket topics, the yep. occasional Disney vlog, and of course, an invite to our seasonal, seasonal Disney trivia event where we have Disney prizes oh, to yeah. go around. Always a fun time. Folks, we appreciate you tuning in to another bracket. And don't forget to chase the wind and touch the sky. <laughs> <laughs>